I'm good. How are you? I'm glad to be here oh. for our very first podcast recording. Number one. Number one. All right. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> so what are we trying to do here? We're both pretty big fans of true crime. I don't want to say fans of true crime, but you know what I mean. <laughs> we love crime. We love crime. Let's do it. <laughs> no, we're fans of stopping true crime and recognizing those who are not so lucky and those who were. I think that's a really good description because what we thought about doing for this, because we've thought about it for a long time, mm-hmm. and you know, there's so many really great true crime podcasts out there that we listen to tons of them. Yeah. And it seems like they're going to take you through a long, grueling story. And then you're like, that was grueling. Really? It was yes. excruciating. And they're so interesting and they do such good research mm-hmm. and they do a great job. But we thought... Yeah, after a while, you just kind of need a little breath of fresh air for a second. <laughs> just to, so the world isn't so cruel all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have talked about you would take a story and dig into something that was awful Mm -hmm. and as we've said to ourselves drag them down to the basement (laughs) and then it's nice to have what a lot of podcasters call a palate cleanser a palate cleanser yep and instead of having an entire episode that's a palate cleanser in between 50 episodes that are heartbreaking torturous horrible we thought we would take the moment at the end of the podcast to actually just do a story that's Okay, this was uplifting. Somebody survived this. The bad guy got what he deserved. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of our plan. All right. For the beginning, you can do your story first, and then I will sit here and probably annoy the hell out of you, and then I can do my story. Annoy away. I'll go ahead and dig on in then. All right, here we go. My story today is one taking place in Pennsylvania. I looked really hard, like I told you before we started recording all this, is that I dove into the deep crevices of the internet and it was very hard to find some and information. It's a scary place. It's a scary, scary <laughs> place out there. What we do know is the early life of Randy Stair. He was born on 9-17-1992 in Pennsylvania. Again, I don't know where. Randy Stair, pretty boring Early life, as far as I could find, nothing out of the ordinary, nothing, no brain injuries, no parents that were abusive, anything like that. However, he started kind of coming into himself as a teenager. He started a YouTube channel. It was called The Pioneers Productions. Oh, so this is a fairly recent thing. Oh, yes. The set event will occur in 2017, but this is in his early teens, I want to say about like 13, 14, he kind of started this. Okay. And he was 24 at the time in 2017. Okay. In his early teens, he started a YouTube channel called The Pioneer Productions, and he would do on that short sketches and collabs, kind of like, almost like, you know, funny or die, like that type of thing where mm-hmm. it was like kind of morbid, dark humor. And it he was pretty popular, actually. Like, I never heard of him. It wasn't really my thing, but a lot of people and a lot of creators who God were doing knows that you don't have any morbid humor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, when I was 13, it wasn't exactly like, okay, back then. He started kind of teaming up with other creators, and he had a pretty good following, like I said. A lot of them really liked him. I Even after the fact, a lot of them would go out and post online, like, he was such a good guy, and just suddenly along the way in his late teens, he just changed. We don't really know what happened with him. Well, this come from them, not necessarily. We don't know. Now we do. Around the age of 20, he actually totaled his car in a really bad accident and was, like, in a lot of trouble with his parents. He was having PTSD, stuff like that. And then at the same time, he also lost two really close friends. It didn't really say how, 
Not in that same car accident. I don't know. That was kind of like up in the air. I searched all over Reddit. I couldn't find any like articles about how if they were freak accidents or something like that or Or suicide. Could have actually in journal articles and stuff that he he's kept a pretty big public fan base. Like he would keep up to date with people. He had journals that he would update. He had video vlogs that he would kind of tell everybody what's going on in his life. So he was more social than we. He are. was. I wouldn't say more social. He was more talking to himself and then shared that with the world, and it was very dark. I had to watch sit through a lot of hours of footage right. of him talking about how depressed he was. But he did happen to suffer from gender dysphoria. Okay. Which is not a big deal. Whatever if you're coming to terms with who you are, go for it. That's like no big deal. But it so, does come into play in the stories. Explain to me what is gender dysphoria. Okay, so. I had to look that up, and it, it's important to distinguish, like, it's not necessarily being transgender. Somebody with gender dysphoria might kind of feel uncomfortable with their gender. They might not be cisgender, and they may end up being cisgender, but it's just, they're kind of questioning and exploring other options that they have, such as if you're a male, he would, I found an article that one of his live journals that were later leaked out, that he sent out before he did this, his parents would go out every Wednesday night to a bowling league and they would leave him alone at the house and he would put on his mother's clothing and walk around and he would feel like himself finally. And that was like just the one thing that he looked forward to every week was that one hour or two that he just got to be himself. And I actually have a quote from his suicide note that he published two days prior to this all going down. And in that he said, I've never felt so close to returning back to my spiritual body. The girl in me is clawing to get out. 62 more hours, and that's the only thing standing in my way. Oh, wow. So, obviously, when he posted that online, nobody knew exactly how devastating those words were going to be. Well, even only in 2014 and 2017, Mm -hmm. even that recently, transgender was still very much under the rug. And people are like, what's wrong with you? I mean, I I know that there was a a vast community out there, but I don't think that socially that people were so aware of it. And and it was so... The fact that he published this all online, you can tell that his peers and stuff, really, nobody really had a problem with that. Like, and those who did, screw them, you know? Like, but then coming out to his parents, I think that kind of thing is always hard with the older generations. You never know. Like, you and I were very close, so I would know if anything like that were to come up. Who are you? Yeah. (laughs) Not everybody has that relationship with their parents, so I can understand why it was kind of, like, really stressful to him. Right. So soon after all this stuff started going down in his mind and he, you know, got in the car accident, his friends died... He ditched the YouTube sketches and all of the collaborators he was working with at the time, and he went on a different direction. Okay, this doesn't sound good. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't get much better from there. He started doing, he had a, I don't know what if you want to call it a channel, a fan cult type of thing, where called EGS, which stood for Ember's Ghost Squad. And in that, it was loosely based off of the, I want to say, kind of children's teen show comic Danny Phantom, have you heard of that? No. Okay, so the whole premise... I don't have any children that are of childrenish age. Well, it was around when I was a teen. I watched every episode of it, so I'm very familiar with Danny Phantom. He was like one of my first ghost crushes. Okay. <laughs> like, first ghost crushes. All right, anyway. He doesn't have a whole list of those. But Danny Phantom, the whole premise of that show is... It was a Nickelodeon show. 
there was a teenage boy, just standard teenage boy. He went to high school every day, but his parents were ghost hunters on the side. Okay. So they would, they had created some big machine in his basement where Danny was just screwing around the basement one day and accidentally, it was like a portal to the other world so they could go in and like send the ghost back to the portal. So Danny went down in the basement one day. It was messing with this machine his parents had built and accidentally, I don't remember exactly, this was so long ago that I watched it, but something happened, something went wrong where he is now half ghost, half human. And so he can go ghost is like his superpower where ghosts were coming in, the whole show is him fighting off these ghosts and going ghost mode and just throwing them back into the realm of ghosts. Like, okay. So that's the whole premise. <laughs> That was a little bit irresponsible of his parents not to lock that up. I mean, you know, expect parents to lock up their guns. We also expect parents to lock up their, <laughs> their ghost, ghost machines. machines. <laughs> but, you know, it wouldn't lead to that great of a story without, so... All right, all right. You know, be a little irresponsible. I'm with for you. A little razzle-dazzle in your life. Uh, so, Randy Stair really liked this show, and the whole idea behind the show that someday he could also be a ghost in ghost form and go into the ghost realm. His whole channel that he created after all this bad stuff went down, Ember's Ghost Squad, he did so kind of, he lost himself in this idea that he he was not doing any drugs or anything like that. He just kind of started living more in the reality that that was his reality instead of it just being a cool fan thing that he's into. Okay, so it was like a fantasy land. That it was a fantasy in. land that he just slowly sucked himself into because, he, like I said, he wasn't really that social. He didn't really have a lot of friends anymore. He distanced the people that were friends with him. And so this became the only thing that mattered to him. Okay. He got so deep into it, he made a Twitter account for nine of his characters in this fictional world one twitter account for all nine or one for he each made of the one nine? for each individual character and he oh would sit crap. there and talk to himself as the characters i can't even keep up with one can twitter you imagine account? how much time <laughs> like i have a lot of time on my hands and i can't imagine just having these fake conversations with myself and they were interacting with each other yeah and they would just oh, do Jesus. it all day every day and it was just his whole world those were his friends is the nine characters he created as the kids say that's weird af it's weird <laughs> af no judgment as long as you don't go kill people but like it's it's a lot of time it's a lot of work yeah on those twitter accounts would also post links and blog like videos like the vlogs i was talking about where he mm-hmm. would be himself or his characters depending on what he felt like that day and he would talk about his disdain for the human race and basically showed his own decline of his mental state. Like, it started out innocent enough and then it just slowly became about how depressed he was, how easy it would be to kill himself, and like all these things that were just... I gotta say, though, the disdain for the human race, that's not really a sign to me of mental decline. That's a sign to me that you're kind of paying attention. Yeah, yeah, that's... <laughs> But I don't Big mean Big red flag, if nothing else. <laughs> no, for sure. <laughs> then he kind of like, I guess a lot of people were alarmed about the things, to say the least, that they were like, okay, Randy's a little off. Like I said, nobody really wanted to be his friend anymore. He was just kind of isolated and became sucked into his own world. So okay. one of his final Facebook posts was from May 21st of 2017. June 7th is the day that he ends up doing his crime. Okay. So, a Facebook post from May 21st says, These are going to be the longest 17 days of my life. So many big and exciting things. Mark June 7th on your calendars because you probably won't witness anything quite like this again. Just saying, with a smirk emoji. 
Nine years calls for something massive. It's going to be an interactive endeavor, unlike anything I've done before. I'm pumped. Signed, Andrew. Which was his character name. Andrew Blaze was the person, his pseudonym, basically, his character in the show that he was... Okay, so the nine years is referring to what? I think that's his YouTube channel and, like, when he first started doing the whole Embers Go Squad stuff. Oh, okay. So nine years of him building up this fake universe in his mind and it was supposed to be a big he was posting this on the facebook account of the ghost ember squad how old is he at this point at this point he's 24 oh okay i'm thinking he's like 17 and i'm like he he started no. a YouTube channel <laughs> when he was eight years old yeah <laughs> okay. very impressive kid yeah, yeah. Uh, or very allowing parents yeah really like who's not monitoring it's not the word but you know what i'm trying to say no i gotcha <laughs> Pretty standard for a person trying to hype up their recent newest video, but looking back, it's very sure upsetting. Yes. <laughs> the final video that he uploaded before the event was posted, was as promised on his Facebook post on May 21st, but he actually uploaded this video right before going into work the night that he committed these murders. The final video was titled The Westboro High Massacre, oh. which is the high school where his fictional universe took place. Okay. So in this video, which I had to watch for all of you, you're welcome. It was very disturbing late at night watching this. It's all animated. Maybe um, you should watch things like this during the daylight. Yeah. <laughs> probably a lot better dreams if I did that. But, you know. <laughs> so in this video, he actually starts it out saying Andrew Blaze, his alias, is the director. And it is dedicated to the fans... Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold, the oh, Columbine Christ. High School Massacres. Dude, no. Yeah, not a good sign. And the Ghost Squad. So the shortened version that I watched, which apparently there's a longer version, which is even more disturbing to me because what I watched was pretty mind-blowing. It starts with an animation of, I don't know if you've seen the Eric and Dylan death photo of them in the library where they've committed suicide and they're both just laying there. And I don't know if I've seen that photo. I've seen a lot of other it's stuff. It's a pretty iconic photo, like, of people who watch, like are, at least in the crime scene, have looked at crime scene photos. I typically don't like to go look at the death scene A lot of people don't. A lot of people take Just because I'm too empathetic and it just horrifies me and I can't lose that image from my mind. And it's hard to see humanity the same way after I mean, I like gory movies when Mm -hmm. I know that that's fake. Even when we watched the one about the Sharon Tate murders, you can't even watch that and enjoy it because you know what really happened. Like, it's just horrifying. And they didn't even have any graphic that Stop one wasn't even bad. In yeah. that, and it wasn't at all realistic. <laughs> then do not watch this video because <laughs> in this, it starts out, he animated Eric and Dylan's death photo, which is a very bloody and, okay. I mean, they were gunshots to the head. So if you can imagine, it's not a great, beautiful picture. But it starts out with that. And it has voiceovers where he actually hired a voice actress who did not know what she was going to be a part of, unfortunately. So I didn't want to give her information. Just Absolutely. She had no idea. She was just doing a job. Yeah. So he basically gave her a script, and she read it, and he said, act menacing, like, and that was her character. So that's what she did. So in the, the voiceovers, of, they were basically showing the animation of these kids walking through the high school, but they had these kind of voiceovers saying, like, ah, ha, ha, these mother effers, they, like, blah, blah, blah. And they had these very explicit kind of bullies shouting things at them, but it was the characters repeating what the bullies had said and like, oh, I'll show them. A lot of sexual references. And I kind of got the the idea that maybe those are things that had been said to Randy 
back in the day in high school or whatever because they were very specific to his gender dysphoria and like oh you got such a large pussy like randy like or but he was calling him andrew in the video but like it just felt felt very personal and like things he was repeating that had been said to him so okay if you were to see this guy did he look out of the ordinary based on what anyone around him might look like or was he a strange looking guy did he dress differently in public he would look like I don't know how to just... He's very gaunt looking. So he's very skinny and his face is very defined. Like, so that's... It looks a little haunting now. But having worked at a grocery store for almost a decade myself, he looked like any guy I could see working beside me. I wouldn't... Okay. I wouldn't be like, I don't want to be friends with him. Well, I just wondered what would have... And I know bullies don't need reasons, but I'm wondering. I think it was more his actions. It was his personality. The way he portrayed himself online and like kind of distanced himself. Yeah. Where nobody at work even was really friends with him. I would say like they knew him, who he was, and they worked with him every day. But it wasn't like. Yeah. So I think it was more he was off-putting as a person. That probably had a lot to do with his internal struggles. And I don't think that necessarily makes you a murderer but like well i would hope not yeah (laughs) but as the video the final video goes on the characters soon start pulling out weapons in the classroom and they are going through very graphically animated shooting classmates in the face attacking them with axes dismembering them with explosives very graphic like i said like internal stuff was showing and lots of gross stuff and this is all animated all animated but he did it all himself i can't imagine his parents ever found this like sketchbook somewhere in his room like it was manually animated it wasn't he did it like online it was computer animated but i think he had drawn them and then uploaded them to the computer to animate i don't know how all that works probably but yeah so it looked like a cartoon i think i think that the computer animation they it's kind of like those morphing photos. Yeah, probably something. And I don't, I've never used that program, but I think that's probably how they do it. I mean, like, it seems like too, it wasn't like a flip book, you know what I mean? Like, it exactly, was like, exactly. it was definitely a cartoon. I don't think he had that much attention span to no, definitely. draw five million frames. He had a lot of time on his hands though, so maybe he did, I don't know. <laughs> so then, after the whole murderous rampage in the mm-hmm. cartoon ended, The video finally ended with a montage of the real-life Randy shooting guns in the woods. And kind of, he had set up a tripod, was going around just shooting things in the woods, just willy-nilly, and going, ah ha ha like into the camera, which, he lives in Pennsylvania. That's not that weird to have a kid who likes to show off his guns and go shooting for fun. But, (laughs) again, it's one of those things in hindsight that's like, that's really creepy to watch. Yeah. Finally, the very last animation is of Andrew Blaze, the character, killing himself with a shotgun to the head, and then it fades to black. And that's the final thing he ever uploaded. Well, right. before. This this was uploaded, like, literally right before his shift started at 11 o'clock that night. Oh, God. The incident itself, uh, like I said, he was 24 at the time. It was on June 7th, 2017 at Weiss Market in Eaton Township in Forgive me for the pronunciation of this. Tunkanook, Pennsylvania. He had been employed at Weiss Market, this one, for seven years now. You have Pennsylvania blood. You should be able to say these things. I should. This is in like northeast Pennsylvania, (laughs) and where dad is from is north middle of Pennsylvania. So it's like quite a drive to even get here. So I don't think I've been near here. So do you know? Wait, which one is this? 
Tonkanook. Tonkanook <laughs> is where in Pennsylvania? It is northeast. Okay. I guess close it's not to the southern. border of New York. Okay. So it's right up there on the state, corner. Not city. New York State, yes. <laughs> a little further to the city. <laughs> All right. He arrived to work at 11 o'clock after uploading that video and immediately blocked an emergency exit in the back of the store where, like, the stock room and the back dock was. Okay. Nobody noticed because there were only, I guess, in total five people working that night. So it was still open? I think they were closed, if not closing, for the night. Okay. Where, like, they were maybe had a few shoppers still around at the time when he was doing this. But I think they officially closed the doors around midnight. Okay. There were only five people working. However many people had a chance to leave because at the time there were only five people in the building. He continued to, after blocking the emergency exit in the back where the employees would exit, he continued to stock the shelves and clean for his normal shift. Okay. Around 12.10 a.m., he uploaded the final links of videos and, and files on Twitter detailing what he planned to do. So it was first thing in the morning. It was like, I believe, a Tuesday a lot of people were not awake. I think that maybe it could have been prevented if people had seen this. But like I said, he uploaded at 12, 10 a.m. His parents are asleep. His friends are all asleep. Everybody's doing their thing at 12. So he uploads it, and these detail what he plans to do, like including committing suicide. So he then, after uploading that, proceeds to block the remaining exits and lock the automatic doors at the front so they will not open if somebody were to step on the sensor. At one point, he sent a text message to his mother. I believe it was right after that. Yes, at 12.37 a.m. So he locked the doors at 12.10 a.m. And then he went out to his car to change and he actually put on really heavy eye makeup and like black lipstick. Because that his character was kind of the emo look. Okay. And so he did it to look more like his ghost character in the show. I see. Okay. So he had done that. He went out to his car, did all that. And that's when he grabbed his two pistol grip pump action shotguns in his car. Oh. So he actually wrote in his journal, he brought one extra in case the other one gave out or jammed and his plans were foiled. At this time, 1237 a.m., he texted his mother with the journals that he had uploaded onto Twitter, and he detailed things in his room that she would find and what to do with them, as well as his the information and hard drives on his computer that he had saved. And again, she was asleep, so unfortunately could not do anything at that time to right. stop this from happening. But he's um, just saying the police are going to be coming, and here's what they he's need He's just to saying, have. hey, I'm going to kill myself. Here's my suicide note. Here's the other things you can find and like, yeah, what to turn in. After that, it's not really known how exactly, what order it went down, but I know it's the rough part hanging with me. These ones where somebody is just trying to do a job that puts food in their mouth Mm -hmm. and keeps a roof over their head. They're just trying to do a job. You know. And they go in there to stock shelves or mop, and they're going to die for that they because have some plans asshole. The next day, you know, it's just hard to think about this person. I just, just got to get me... through my shift, and I can go home to my wife. I can I mean, go home and just. And any kind of murder is going to make me feel that way because mm-hmm. you know this girl was just walking back from her friend's house. Yeah. And that boy was just at a at the drugstore when it happened to get robbed, or mm-hmm. you know, and it's just murder sucks. In cases like this, where it. Just a heads up, it is a mass shooting. But things like this, I feel like it's so easy to just be like, oh, seven people died or 12 people died. But to me, it's important to think about them as humans. Like every single person, don't just 
put them in a bunch and it's just yeah oh these three people died don't whatever. get numb to them right just because they happened in a mass event yeah at some point after he entered back into the store with all doors locked he proceeded to shoot his three co-workers victoria brong who i really tried like i said i dug as far as i could on the internet i went through every obituary every like memorial page i could find there really wasn't a lot of information about any of them which broke my heart a little bit but you know maybe the families didn't really want were they all around his age no i'll give you that information because okay. i did find their birthdays and like their families and stuff the victims were victoria brong who was 25 at the time her birthday was a month later august 10th 1991. Yes, mm. she had one son and a fiance. She was the assistant tag manager at Weiss. Terry Lee Sterling, born 4354. He had one son and two grandchildren. Mm. That one was hard. I could not find a lot about him. That was literally all that was available on the internet. So, Brian Hayes was born on 12-17-1969. He was the night shift supervisor at Weiss. And he had two daughters and was also a retired Navy veteran. It always surprises me when military veterans get caught unawares because I think they are trained with so yeah. much so much attention to what's going on around them. So well, they, they, they must have just been lulled into thinking, he's harmless, he works here. Well, one thing, it is, it's sad to say, but one thing about him, he did go down with a fight. So he had, was shot five times. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he wasn't going down easy. And so, he was probably um, trying to save those other people too. Well, a lot of people, when I looked up kind of on Reddit, they had a breakdown of like the events and when everything went down. A lot of people say he went for him first because he knew he was going to fight back. He was only 47. Like he's not yeah. some weak, fragile old man. He's like still right. got a fight in him. I mean, it's not like he's 55. Right. He wasn't a geezer <laughs> yet. Like you, mom. Jeez. But no, so he was shot five times. Victoria, the 25-year-old, was shot four times. Terry Lee Sterling was shot two times. Wow. There was, however, a fourth co-worker of his named Kristen Newell in the store at the time. She had not heard the shots happening. It sounds like a lot of them happened in the back stock room. So they were all going back there, grabbing a crate of stuff to take back out and stock the floor. And he got them one by one, it sounds wow. like. Okay. Kristen, who, however, already had her stuff to stock on the floor, her big tote of stuff, she was in the middle of doing all that. She was listening to music with her headphones, had no idea what was going on in the background the whole time. CCTV footage did capture Stare actually walking up behind her, and for five seconds, he stared at the back of her head, even so much pointing the gun at her head. Jesus. So, so he, how close to her was he in the video? I heard ranging stories. Some people, it's hard to, like, CCTV footage, it could be 5 feet, it could be 20 feet sometimes. You know, yeah. like, based on the angle. I didn't actually see it. I saw it once before in, like, a, a GIF, but it wasn't enough to safely say. But enough where if she were to turn around, she would definitely have seen him. <sighs> he stood there for five seconds. And if she had turned around, he probably would have shot had, her. If she had turned around, I don't think she would be with us today. Mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. sure. So he, for some reason, however, decided to spare her and moved along. At this point, their three co-workers had already been murdered. They were already dead. Did he have anything against any of these people, or are you coming to that? Because, I mean, or did they just happen to work in the same store as him and everybody treated him fine? 
You know, I doubt that the I, people at the his thing. store were mean to him. I don't think there was no bullying on record. There were no HR complaints. There was nothing in any of his... There was nothing any of them could have done differently in that any would of his have made journal this different. Things, like, the, the things that he released about, like, what he was going to do and why, no point did he say... I think anybody showing up to work that day would have been just as equal to get killed to him. Yeah. I don't think it was anybody yeah. in particular that he was going for. He just wanted to tear people down. He just wanted somebody to take down with him. And that's... Disgusting. Disgusting, yeah. So, Stare then, after leaving Kristen to do her duties on knowing that anything was happening out of the ordinary, he actually decided to make a sport of it and go around and shooting random glass items off of the shelf, just like for target practice, just for fun. One final hurrah for him. And Did he make that creepy, awful woods laugh like like he was doing? Probably. I can imagine he probably was just like, what the hell? Let's do it. Why not? So he actually tried to shoot some propane takes, oh. hoping that it would cause an explosion and to create even more chaos, possibly hurting Kristen in the yeah. process, I would imagine, if it exploded I... into... Okay, so I could see if she's wearing her headphones and she's just bopping around, stalking the shelves, and she doesn't hear him when he's in the back room and he's mm-hmm. shooting these people. But if he's actually out in the shelves and on in the aisles... See, this is when Kristen actually hears something. Okay, I was going to so say, once he's out on really the floor, louder up Yeah, there. keep in mind, he has done all of this back... I'm guessing, at least when I worked at Kroger, the back room where all this is happening was blocked off by walk-in coolers. Like, everything was the coolers, like the milk aisles and stuff. Yeah. So I can imagine there's some insulation in there where you're not right. hearing everything. Right. But once he's out on the floor, he doesn't shoot any shots... Up until the point where he aims the gun at Kristen and then walks away. And this is when he starts going through the store just shooting things. Okay. So at this point, Kristen hears this going on and is like, what the hell is that? So she takes her earbuds out and actually looks around, doesn't see anybody. So she goes to the back room to be like, did you guys hear that? Like, I think they said on the, I could be wrong, but on the forum is when he shot the propane tank and the metal sound of the metal hitting metal is when she like really was like that sounded bad like that would be really really loud yeah especially in the echoey store even without an explosion that would be really really loud yeah so she actually looked around to go investigate and she came across the body of victoria in the back dock and how horrifying so this is when she knew obviously i don't know what's happening but something really bad there's it sounded like gunshots there's an active shooter in the store and she proceeded to go and hide under one of the front registers. Absolutely. At that she, point, you don't go, is there anyone there? Yeah, hello? You know, like they always do in the movies. Yes. She hid under and she called 911. So after all this is going down, Kristen's hiding under the register. She calls 911 at 12.44 a.m. So keep in mind, this all happened minutes. in minutes. Like, oh, my God. I mean, he sent the text to his mom in the parking lot at... 1237 and in 1244 she's calling 911. Stare finally retreated to the store's deli and proceeded to shoot himself in the head and he did it exactly as he wrote in the journals. He wanted to do it just like Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold Columbine style. In the deli? In the deli but they did it in the library but exact same. Okay so in total there were 59 shots fired in the store. Um, Off that's ridiculous. I know. It's seven minutes. I don't think he ever used a second gun. So imagine if there were more people in that store that day, the damage he could have. I can't. 
All three shooting victims, unfortunately, lost their lives before they even got to the hospital. So everybody passed away. Well, they were a lot of shots. Everybody got shot at least twice. Yeah. Everybody had at least one shot that was immediately fatal. fatal. Two of them had two or three shots that were would have killed them by themselves. So there really wasn't a lot of hope for anybody in this situation, unfortunately. Yeah. Long story short, there wasn't any trial. Obviously, he's dead. We all know now. But July 13th, only one month after the slings, the store actually just reopened. Wow. Same location, but they remodeled it, obviously. And a lot of people in town were kind of upset about that. They were like, why not just move it to a different location? Like, nobody wants to go there. I don't want to shop there anymore. That's where you always used to shop, and I'm upset about it. And actually, it was kind of 50-50 where I looked, but some people were actually saying, if we stop going there, if we let this be a reminder of Randy, we're giving him exactly what he wants. So we're going to keep going there, and we're going to keep showing our support to the store and the employees there. And I believe Kristen still works there to this day. Wow. So, at least as far as I saw. Well, how do you feel about leaving the store open? Because I don't think that I the think, I don't think that the company or the guy or whoever it sounds like it's just a, a one one shot store. I don't think mm-hmm. it sounds like a chain. Is it a chain? It is a chain. It oh, is a okay. chain I don't like know the northeast. Race. Yeah. But but it seems like But you have to think how they, many people work at that grocery store and yeah. are going to have to re move or exactly. find another location but if or... they if they remodel the store and even remodel the outside of the store mm-hmm. and maybe put a memorial somewhere for mm-hmm. those people who lost their lives to show we have not forgotten you yeah but when people die in a place it's not the fault of the place yeah so you shouldn't have to just it's... completely shut down one location and i hate to say it sounds so selfish but like a lot of places, especially in like rural Pennsylvania, you don't have a grocery store on every corner. So like, right. if you they're gonna have to drive an extra thirty miles just so that you can move it, nobody would want that. Yeah, I mean, I can see why I people understand. would be emotional I, I, about it. But. I see how it could step on some toes too that it was only a month later. It's a little soon to my taste, but I mean, if you need but a grocery like store, said, you need a grocery store. Those employees needed somewhere to work, and they too. needed a job. They needed to get back to work. They couldn't just be they, out. You know, the the people who were there that night lost everything, mm-hmm. but the people who weren't there that night still need to support. And their as families. a person who's had a coworker murdered, I can say, like, you have to keep going to work. It's it, you lose a lot, and it hurts a lot, and it's a reminder every day you step in there, but. Yeah. What are you going to do? You can't just drop everything and find a job. Like. Yeah. So just to finalize, one thing I will probably do with a lot of my stories. So if you don't want to hear this, go ahead and fast forward to mom's story. <laughs> but I'm big on forensics and I'm big in like medical stuff. So I like to look up autopsy reports. And I won't tell graphic details. I'm not that person like, oh, this part of this person's head was missed. I'm not that person. I won't do that. But... One thing I did find really interesting about him, and I kind of told you I was doing research on diphenhydramine before yeah. all this went down. Yeah. But Which I don't take few, anymore. Yeah, we don't take it. I don't take it anymore either. <laughs> uh, we'll get into that another day. <laughs> but, but diphenhydramine, for those who don't know, is um, just standard Benadryl. The autopsy report of Randy Stare was actually... Um, Interesting because they found diphenhydramine in his system, which is not that weird if you have allergies, like standard take pop a pill before you go to work. No yeah, big but deal. Most people can't take Benadryl but you get and so work. so drowsy. Why would you do that? Exactly. Like, like 
taking Allegra, God. Like, I, could, <laughs> I could see you had shellfish, and now you're going to mm-hmm. blow up like a blowfish if you don't get your diphenhydramine right yeah, now. If you're having an allergic reaction, by all means, screw the work. Let's but go ahead. And... There's no way that I could even drive myself anywhere but, if, I would, if I had diphenhydramine. So that's weird in itself, right? Yeah. That you take one right before your shift. Right. But not only did he have it in his system, he had... 372 nanograms per milliliter of blood. That so sounds high. So what that means, <laughs> just bear with me, I did a lot of research here. Mental <laughs> impairment is observed in concentrations above 60 nanograms. Oh, so you are not allowed to operate a vehicle. So he's six with, times over with that with limit. 60 nanograms yeah. in your blood. So he has six times as much. At least make you start losing. Slurry and drowsy yes. and unaware. And yes. Your state is not what it should be. on earth? Would. He must have a tolerance for it. Well, that's another Reddit whole thing. I'll dive down in a second. I know this is going to be like two hours long. But <laughs> I'm almost done. <laughs> another statistic just to show you how much that is. Following a single oral dose of 50 milligrams, which is standard two Benadryl, the average peak concentrations happen about three hours after you take it. And that is 83 nanograms per milliliter in your bloodstream. Wow. So this this was, I'm imagining, it probably doesn't go down a lot after you die, I would imagine. I would imagine probably not. So what he died with is what he had at the time. So he probably took eight? So that's about eight Benadryls. Eight doses of Eight Benadryl. doses of so Benadryls. Like, depending which Benadryl you go with, but... No, that's eight doses times two pills. Right, that's what I'm saying. Well, they have it in 25 and 50 milligrams, so okay. depending which form you take. But, but I'm just imagining him pouring half the bottle into his head. Right. And so, like, a lot of people were saying, I don't know if you've ever taken too much Benadryl, but I certainly have. Um, <laughs> but a lot of people, I actually didn't know this until after I had my incident where I took too much Benadryl. But to those who don't know, I was hospitalized because I took too much Benadryl one day. Was that before you were pharmacy tech? It was when I was 20, so I'd been one for two years at this time. And it was even unheard of with my pharmacist. When I came back to work after I was hospitalized, even they were like, you can take too much Benadryl? Like, I've never heard of that. <laughs> okay. So it's actually pretty common in people who do a lot of drugs for a quick high. You can actually just do like a handful of Benadryl and get hallucinogenic effects. I didn't know that. I didn't really experience that part of it. But No, you experienced near death. I, I experienced heart palpitations and heart attacks-like symptoms. But <laughs> but apparently people actually do this. And a lot of people theorize right, that kids he... Kids don't do this at home. Because it literally put Bailey in the hospital. It literally and, put me in the hospital, and I wasn't even trying to get high. So yeah, imagine, what, to sleep. <laughs> imagine what those dosages can oh do to you. Oh my god, that just blows my mind. So... A lot of people say maybe he did have a tolerance. Sorry for the uh, siren outside. Can you take your emergency somewhere else? (laughs) Jesus. At least it isn't, you know, (laughs) at least it's not the nightly fireworks slash gunfire that we have in North Georgia. (laughs) In North Georgia in the suburbs. (laughs) So anyway, just a lot of people were theorizing that he possibly had been doing this routinely, hence his whole psychotic break where he thought he was in his journals. There were details saying that once he died, he thought that he would then go onto the ghost realm and be this exact person he wanted to be, that his character was in all of these. And he actually had another character named Mackenzie that he thought was, well, a lot of people, it kind of depends on which journal you look at. A lot of people said that 
in his mind, he wanted to be Mackenzie. And that, going back to the gender dysphoria, it makes a lot of sense. Sure. Once I die, I will go ahead and... I can be anyone I want. I can be whoever I want to be. I can finally be this beautiful person I've always wanted to be. And all the, I have all these friends in the ghost realm that like me. Why wouldn't I want to be there? So if you're taking a hallucinogenic, basically, every yeah. day for however many days he was doing this, yeah, you're... I just don't know how he was even functional. I... Again, tolerance. I literally, you could give me two Benadryl right now, and in a half an hour, I will be snoring in my chair. Yeah, I can hold a conversation maybe, but I'm not going to remember what I said. <laughs> exactly. So Yeah, that's so wild. Yeah. I had so, no idea that it was such a nefarious little monster. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it looks so cute and pink, but it's really... It can Don't look, try it at home, folks, because it's, it's a mind F. <laughs> it's like the little, the little hot pink yeah, pill that can blow your mind. One thing I did, actually, I wanted to see your take on this. I had a video lined up on my phone if you want to watch it. I don't necessarily want to include it in the podcast. We can link that later if you want. Okay. I wanted to see... So one video that his mom found actually on his computer after everything had gone down, the police obviously took that into custody, he had uploaded a video of him in his backyard with a quarter. And he said, heads, I'm going to shoot everybody at work and take them down with me. Oh, Jesus. Tails, I'm going to just kill myself. And in this video, you can see the whole thing. He's laughing. He's smiling. He's, like I said, by himself in his backyard. He even says at one point, my parents are going to be home soon, so I got to go ahead and do this quick. So he has the quarter in his hand, and he goes, all right, I'll do best two out of three. How about that? So he flicks it up. First one, heads. And so he goes... And that's everybody at work. That's everybody at work. That's taking people down with me. And he's, like, laughing, and the camera goes, ho, 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 we're in for a treat, aren't we? And he... So you can tell he's not just doing it and saying it was heads, because he literally flicks it out and, and then takes the camera and zooms in. Yep, it's heads. So he, it was heads. And he does it again tails and so he's like getting excited you could tell he's hyped up he's clapping he's jumping around he's like Woohoo, i guess this is it really it had to be tails didn't it? i guess we're gonna see final one is the call and it goes heads and he just kind of looks down at it in his hand for a second and he looks back up at the video and he goes well there you have it heads it is and then that's where the video ends and that's how he decided that he was gonna take three innocent lives if not more, I don't know if he knew how many people were going to be on shift that night. Oh, he was going to take as many as he had. I don't know if maybe Kristen had a special place in his heart, or maybe he just felt a connection to her because she was around his age. I think she was like 26. So it's just to think that people's lives ended, families were destroyed, children were left without their parents yeah. because of three flips of a freaking coin. It's just, it enrages me. Me too. That people are so cavalier about the lives of other people. And it's just like, I even if it was, you can't even just blame it on mental illness. Because there are lots of people mm -hmm. who have these weird psyches that just, you get, disappear into this fantasy realm of yours. And like, whatever, you kill yourself. It's sad. It's really sad. And I, I huge advocate for mental health help. Like, I think he needed the help. And it's yeah. hard to blame him necessarily for having these visions and things that he wanted to be true. But why did he have to take anybody with him? Yeah. That There was no part of his fantasy that said, I can only get into the ghost realm if... And he wasn't even telling himself, it doesn't sound like that, oh, if I kill them, they can also become whoever they want. He wasn't doing it like, I'm going to help them get where they should as be. As far as I could find, at least. I don't... But there were so many... Mom, I'm telling you, there were like 
probably 80 journals and even more videos that he I uploaded. I just can't. I can't get that deeply into somebody's I, I know. I, I, just I watched can't a couple it. of them, and just listening to his voice, I was getting I mean, even that like, coin flip, I don't even want to watch that. Yeah. I just don't... I don't want to... Somebody's celebrating the fact that you're just going to murder people. Like, it's yeah. just... You can't get yourself into that headspace. I, I can't. So that was great. You did a really good job with that story. I was worried it wouldn't be enough time. Now I'm worried it went on too long. You have symbolically dragged us to the basement. Mm-hmm. And I would like to... Go ahead and pull us back up with that little <laughs> dumb waiter of ours. <laughs> okay. Back in 2007, there was a 35-year-old offshore worker, and his name was Hugh Clark. And he lived in Rosseth, Scotland. Mm-hmm. He was at a local pub. And he was pissed off about something. And there was a guy there named Mark Thompson, who was a 34-year-old father of two. And Clark called to Thompson and Barr, and he said, Hey, I want you to go outside and meet me for a fight. All well, right. As one does. <laughs> as one does. Well, it is Scotland, right? Right. Really. <laughs> They're badasses there. The bad blood that Clark was feeling was related to an earlier event a couple weeks earlier where Clark had been picked up and interviewed by the local police. And the reason he had been picked up was based on a complaint that he blamed on Ina Thompson, who was Mark Thompson's wife. Okay. Thompson, Mark, not Ina, agreed to go outside the pub and fight him, but the pub landlady's like, no, you're not doing that here. Just get out of here. So she put a stop to the fight. The landlady, of course, stopped the fight. The two guys are like, let's beat each other up. Typical. (laughs) So she put a stop to the fight, and she told Clark to get get out of there. Mm -hmm. So he left the pub. And on the way out of the pub, he yelled at Mark Thompson, I'm going to murder your wife and I'll get you later. Although I should have said that in a Scottish accent, but it would have been probably unintelligible. I was going to try it and then I was like, let's not offend Don't anybody. Murder your wife. <laughs> I'll get you later. That was good. <laughs> Mark Thompson did not hear him make that remark. So nobody mentioned it to him. They just thought... So like the other bar goers had heard him say this some some of them did hear him say it but nobody thought anything Come on, of help it. a bro out <laughs> well they just didn't think he meant it you know yeah. they just thought he was drunk and acting i guess acting stupid so they just ignored it and he left mark thompson didn't hear it so he did not hit home he just stayed at the bar for a little while longer okay meanwhile his wife ina was at home which was located in fife near rosseth Okay. So they're not like in the same town, but they're very close to each other. And she was alone in the house with her two kids. They had a daughter named Shannon. She was 12. And they had a son, nine, whose name was Nathan. And Ina had heard nothing about the pub altercation. You know, this was 2007. You'd think that people would have had cell phones and he would have called and said, you are going to believe what this This jackass just said. Yeah, really. (laughs) There's Mark just still drinking his beers or doing shots or whatever at the bar. Mm-hmm. And there's Ina at home, probably folding laundry, doing all that kind of good stuff. And meanwhile, Hugh Clark is making his way to their house. And so he arrives at the house and he's going up the stairs. I'm, I couldn't understand whether it was an actual house or if it was an apartment and they lived on an upper level. Yeah, or like a townhouse situation. Yeah, I, I couldn't quite get the gist of exactly what their house makeup was, but apparently he was going up some stairs and he made some noise on the stairs. Okay. And so it sort of sounded like they lived on an upstairs flat. All right. Because when Ina heard the noise in the stairs, she thought Mark was home. So she went to the door. so sad to me. (laughs) 
She opened the door, oh. probably thinking, my drunk husband's home. Finally. Where you been? <laughs> and as soon as she opens the door, Hugh Clark is out on that landing. He grabs her and throws her out into the hallway and starts stabbing her. Yikes. And he was stabbing her in the head. He was stabbing her in the body. <sighs> and Shannon, the 12-year-old daughter, she's just terrified. She's like, holy Can hell. Imagine I don't, your mom. What is going on out here? I don't like this at all. And she locked herself in her bedroom. Because what does she know? She thinks he's going to kill her mom, and then she's coming after him. Yeah, what do you... Wait, backwards. He's going to kill her mom, and then he's going to come after her. So Shannon wasn't just like, let me jump in on this. (laughs) So she locked herself in her room thinking he was coming for her, and she eventually escaped the house by climbing out of her bedroom window. Okay. Nathan, on the other hand, he came out of his bedroom to find Clark in the process of attacking his mom, he had already stabbed her eight times. Jeez. I did find a thread on Reddit that said it was 12 times, but the BBC says eight. So between the BBC and Reddit, I'm going with the BBC. Yeah, <laughs> a little more. Yeah, so I went with eight. I mean, obviously, his mother was bleeding, and she was in pain, and she was crying and screaming, and she was close to dying because mm-hmm. you can't get stabbed eight times. I mean, and not one have stab root, that's enough. Like, yeah, but... and he stabbed her in the head. Yeah. I mean, I hear those stories where people get stabbed in the head, and I'm like, who the hell stabbed you in the head? How? How? Yeah, unless it goes through your eye socket or your ear hole. Mm -hmm. I mean, how are you? I don't know. Anyway, so I digress. But Nathan comes out in the hall. He sees this awful thing happening, and he jumps on the attacker's back because he's at least trying to divert him or distract him, Mm -hmm. give his mom a little bit of time to get away. But Nathan is nine. You know, he was just a little kid. It's he's probably what four feet tall and yeah, eighty but you pounds. Know, little kids when they're like, "Dad's not home. I'm the man of the house," and they always have that cute little. I know. And it just hurts that my protective heart. feeling about their parents. Mm-hmm. He jumped on his back and he was trying to to distract him. And then Clark, being a grown man with mm-hmm. a knife, he flung Nathan off of him. And like. So after Clark threw Nathan off of him, he slashed him right in the face. Mm-hmm. And this cut was really brutal. It just narrowly missed his left eye. Oh, poor baby. But it did freak out Clark enough that it kind of threw him for a loop. And Nathan and his mom I mean, yeah, he didn't were come able. there to stab a child that day. Exactly. Yikes. So he probably freaked out a little bit with, oh, this isn't really what I intended to do. And so the two of them... Nathan and his mother did escape out the back door. And they ran to a neighbor's house for help. Imagine that. You're the neighbor. You open your back door, and there's this mother who's got stab wounds all over, all over including in her head. And then this little boy with a big slash across his face. But Ina, even though she was really badly injured, she was able to recover. Okay. So she survived. Nathan ended up with a broken jaw in addition, in addition to the 10 stitches. The stitches spanned from the end of his nose all the way up to his eye. The father doesn't know any of this is happening until he Yeah, he is he still at late. the bar at this point? Like I assume he must have come home at some point. Or maybe the neighbor called him at the bar. I didn't see anything about how he was notified. But he did credit Nathan's actions with distracting the attacker long enough for Mrs. Thompson to be able to survive. Mm-hmm. It's pretty well believed that if she had had really any more stab wound she would have just lost too much blood and would not have survived the attacker had his trial in february of 2008 
And he was only sentenced to eight and a half years in prison for the attempted murder. Mm. And he permanently disfigured this young boy. I mean, he, he had gone there intending to murder her. I don't understand that. Even in, I, I know the laws are different in Scotland versus the United States, but I'm sorry. if I don't get the difference between attempted murder and murder. You still... You did a bad job, so you get less time. It's, I don't remember which podcast said it, but like somebody said... The only difference is them willing to fight to survive. If I think they that, hadn't fought, and they would be dead, like yeah. no I, matter what. Actually, Morbid has had this conversation several yes, times, probably, and yeah. I agree completely. I don't because they, they're basically their intent was exactly the same. It's just that they didn't succeed. Especially if they have witnesses saying he's literally said. I'm going to kill your wife. Like, yeah. that's not like, oh, exactly. I stabbed her because we got in a heated discussion. It's like... Exactly. Ugh. And it's, you know, and at this point, you have to wonder if if the pub lady had just let him go out and have it out, would getting his ass kicked by Mark Thompson mm-hmm. have eliminated this threat? Or would he have kicked Mark Thompson's ass and gone there and killed the wife anyway because he was really mad at the wife? Well, did he have like a psychological like evaluation or anything after that? Not they... that I saw. Interesting. Not that I saw. But he was just mad because what I understood, one of the articles that I read about the complaint that Ina Thompson made against him was that he had done something and she made a complaint. So it sounded to me like... He was being creepy or lewd or something mm-hmm. towards her. And then she went to the police department and okay, filed her so complaint. Okay, so homeboy, another man that can't take being like Rejected. called out on their freaking bullshit. Yeah. yeah, for the most part, that sounds like kind of what it was. Oh, but anyway, so in the long run, the Scotland Solicitor General, who is one of Scotland's senior law officers, I kind of got the impression it was sort of like the Attorney General okay. for the U.S., He nominated Nathan for formal recognition of his gallantry. So in 2008, in the city halls of Glasgow, 10-year-old Nathan Thompson was presented with the Act of Outstanding Bravery Award. Oh, go Nathan. Yes. What an amazing little badass kid. I mean, what, 26? And I can't imagine doing that. I'm a freezer. So the fact that he went out there. I'm a freezer. I'm a freezer. I am. Like, if something bad happens, I'm like, oh, shit, I'm dying now. Like, okay. Well, poop. I guess that's over. Well, that was a good life. (laughs) So, like, when I hear that they, he didn't even need to be involved. He just did it because his mom. So, good for Nathan. Go yeah. Nathan. Yeah, he was a good kid, and I know that. I know that that's not they killed him or anything. But mm-hmm. then, if they had killed him, then they would have had that on their consciences forever. And you know what? Now it's on his records. So and the next time he decides to be creepy or lewd or whatever the hell he did that made her complain, somebody is gonna go to the cop and they're gonna see, oh, he tried to kill somebody after doing this. So like, yeah. hopefully that can. I mean, sometimes it still gets overlooked, but yeah. Here's the fingers crossed that it won't. I wonder if, and I don't have any evidence of this, I'm just musing. Mm-hmm. I wonder if when she ma- made the original complaint, if she had actually filed for any kind of a protection order, because you know how useless those always turn out to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, it's important to at do least in them. America. It's important to do them, but they almost never actually result in being protected. And in a lot of states, I heard recently, some states... You literally can't get a restraining order against somebody unless you are married to them or live with them. So, like, if you have a stalker out of nowhere, I don't remember which state it was, but it was with the Shayna Huber's case. Shayna Huber, she shot her boyfriend, I believe it was in, like, Texas. Recently? 2012-ish. Hmm. 
But he had tried to get a restraining order out on her, and he wasn't allowed to because they did not live together, and he was not married to her. And they told him, well, unless she does something violent to you, you can't. And she shot him in the face. I think that there were states, and probably still are states, that would look at a threat from a woman as less violent yeah, or less sure. yes. w- less worthy of concern than... Like, oh, what's she going to do? Start a cat fight in public? Yeah, I mean, like, and don't tell me that there aren't women out there who will do awful, awful things. Mm-hmm. So, sorry to hear about that. Probably not as uncommon as we would oh, like that's, it to be. There's some psycho women out there, let me tell you. Yeah. We got two in this room, so... <laughs> <laughs> that is probably... That's probably it. Good wrap-up. Yeah. Well... Right. Thanks, honey. You did a good job. It's nice chatting with you. Yeah, as always. Puss, any final words? Meow, <laughs> meow. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Maybe, who knows? I'm just waiting for the day that you come home and you say, Mom, I'm in love with the shovel. You know what? As long as I'm not hurting anybody. <laughs> the shovel and I aren't murdering anyone and disposing of them. I know, but that would be a really good partnership. <laughs> it would be. <laughs> That wasn't a fart. That was Bailey falling through the chair. (laughs) Try not to move because you'll destroy my macrame. I drank all the wine. (laughs) 12 bottles of wine and then you were mad because you didn't have I think the more likely scenario here is that you drank six, I drank the last six, and now I'm mad that there wasn't more. Diphenhydramine, did you? Did we learn about this? (laughs) Did we we learn our lesson? Let me get my ass situated real fast.